leadership's really about followership. You know, if you're walking in one direction and no one's following you, are you really a leader? And so you should be investing in yourself, both internally and externally, but also learning the ability to lead without authority, leading with influence rather than authority, the skill set you need to build. And it's a solution to a problem that will never go away. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. All right. Well, welcome everybody back to Top Shelf Integrity. Uh, My name is Rachel Harris and I am the Vice President of On-Premise here at Beam Centauri. And today I have a really special team with me. Um, teams and teamwork is something that is really important to the on-premise organization. And granted, it's important in sales in general, um, but we like to think that it's part of our secret to success. Uh, Every person has a role to play um, and they each bring their unique talents and experiences to the team. And everyone needs to feel empowered in what they're doing um, to do more than they might even know is possible. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. I'd like to introduce my unique team of guests. Um, I've brought them together from across the Beam Centauri business units. We have had a really special experience together um, as a cohort in Centauri's global leadership program, Beyond Borders. And when I say special, it spanned almost two years and was supposed to be across four different countries um, and was just really a life-changing experience um, in partnership with London Business School, which was also amazing. And so today we're going to unpack a little bit of our experience. We're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, leadership is really about unlocking potential, about how innovation is everyone's job and how to evaluate a business strategy um, to make sure that you're maximizing that strategy as you move that strategy into execution. So with that, I want to introduce my guests. Um, So first, um, I have Jen Mordini. Jen, how are you doing? Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you want to let everybody know um, your title and how long you've been with Beam? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I am a finance director supporting both our Maison Covassier and our House of Centauri Global Brand Houses. I've been in this role for about a year and a half since we changed our operating model into really developing our global brand houses. And I've been with Beam Centauri for almost six and a half years now. Amazing. Here at Top Shelf Integrity, we always enjoy a nice little cocktail while we're chatting. So, Jen, what are you drinking today? I was going to say Roku Sonic is something particularly working with the House of Centauri team. I have been turned on to lately this summer. It's super refreshing uh, and is uh, really a great summer drink at this point in the year. Amazing. Sounds so refreshing. All right. Um, well, thanks, Jen. I also have Kelly Giorgetti here with me in the studio. Kelly. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Great to see you. You as well. So yes, uh, my name is Kelly Giorgetti. I'm the Senior Marketing Director for our West Geographic Business Unit. We have four geographic business units within um, the United States. Um, I reside in Los Angeles, California. Um, moved there uh, just under two years ago in our new global operating model as well. Um, 
and I oversee all of the marketing for um, our Western United States. Amazing. And what is in that cocktail glass of yours? Well, I would not uh, be representing the West if I didn't have a wonderful tequila in my cocktail. Um, so I am enjoying an El Tesoro Paloma. Amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. And then I also have another guest with me. I have Reggie Champagne. Hey, Reggie. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Of course. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Reggie Champagne. I am Assistant General Counsel and sit on the Chief Supply Chain Leadership Team running our global end-to-end -end supply chain as we have 2,000 employees in the organization looking at all the different pieces of procuring all the inputs, running the distilleries, and then uh, managing liquid inventory, uh, packaging, and getting our finished case goods out to the market. Amazing. Super important job here at Beam. Well, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Glengarry Neat, our, uh, our Highlands uh, distillery in Scotland. Uh, I feel like our scotches don't get enough love and they've been making scotch there since 1797. And it's excellent. Amazing. Just elevated this entire room, I think, with that comment. <laughs> um, well, great. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you guys today um, with me and, and obviously representation from the finance team, from the legal team, from the marketing team, um, and obviously myself with on-premise. And I am enjoying a Jim Beam highball. As many of our listeners know, that is one of my favorites um, and had to take advantage of, you know, our amazing highball machine that we have here in the office. So um, well, let's go ahead and and dive in. Um, as I mentioned, the first kind of topic we're going to tackle is leadership. Leadership isn't about someone having total ability yet. It's um, about someone having the potential and the ambition for greatness. And as leaders in this organization, you know, we need to be investing in the future of other leaders, investing in the potential of other employees here at Beam and facilitating their growth into what they could be, not necessarily what they are today. You know, this often involves taking people out of their comfort zone. And I've talked a lot on these podcasts about how being out of your comfort zone is is really the point in where you start to learn um, and learn a ton. And so, you know, taking people out of their comfort zone is one way to develop unique leadership uh, capabilities. And we were all part of this program and I, I already kind of entered it, but a program that was truly amazing and a program that really pushed us. And I think I can speak for all of us out of our comfort zone. Um, so let's dive a little bit into that. I guess first, Kelly, can you can you tell our listeners, you know, how does Beam Centauri push you outside of your comfort zone and how do you yourself push yourself outside of your comfort zone? Well, I think this is a great example of being pushed out of a comfort zone. Um, who would have ever thought that I'd be sitting here doing a podcast? So I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity. But yes, if this is a good example of being pushed out of a comfort zone, I don't know which one is. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I've been at Beam Centauri for just over 10 years, and I should have probably said that in my introduction. So I have had opportunities to really sort of, you know, experience new things. And obviously with the company and the organization evolving as it has. And I think it's important to really understand what the potential of you are and your team is. And I think that Beam um, does a fantastic job of really sort of helping us walk through sort of like, what's that calibration of development look like? Um, what's your potential? Um, how versatile to how versatile you are as a leader? Um, and really that sort of capability um, and then from there, it's, you know, it's about um, understanding, you know, what are sort of new challenges and risks that you want to take on and being open to that. And I, I think the Centauri process, the Beef Centauri process really um, does that. And it really starts to embrace 
um, that mindset in us early on. And I think um, there are really great facilitated programs like the one that we went through that are instructor led, that gives you opportunities to um, challenge yourself, think about your leadership style, think about how you impact others. But really what uh, I think Beam is so great at is it's, it's giving us new experiences. I think experiences is, you know, such an incredible part about your leadership development. And it's why they, they talk about, you know, getting out into the Gemba to really understand, you know, what's happening in the marketplace. Because that experience is really what makes you think about um, your style, what makes you think about, you know, the culture that you're building and and how you're impacting others. There's obviously other uh, types of institutions and organizations that we obviously affiliate with, you know, Women of the Vine. Um, there's also Network of Executive Women and a lot of other things that I think, you know, Beam is, you know, very much a part of investing in to have us, you know, as leaders sort of think about how do we challenge ourselves, but also how do we think about um, talent development throughout the process. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And and whether it is the opportunity to join some of those partner organizations and and have them also provide a platform for for you to showcase and and develop right your own talents, or whether like this you know particular formal program where we all got to go to Australia and you know spend spend some time in the city, but we also ventured out into um, the unknown in Australia and kind of retreated, um, you know, in the countryside um, too, which allowed for a lot of reflection and, and introspection, which was, which was an amazing experience, as you mentioned. So a follow-up question to that is, you know, for this group, like now, now that you've understood, you know, leadership de- development and, and how to push outside your comfort zone, like how do you turn around and do that as a manager yourself? You all manage teams. I can take that one. Thanks, Rachel. I think on this one, really identifying working first with employees to understand what are the places that they feel like they want to be moving into from a development perspective to make sure that we're actually that they're leading the process in terms of what their development should look like, as opposed to be from a managerial perspective, sort of deciding where they need to be uh, developing. So I think sort of foundationally starting there, but then also creating a space where people have the ability to make their own judgments, move things in new directions in a way that is safe um, so that if things weren't to go, we have space to move to go the way we're expecting necessarily, that there's room to make changes and learn along the way um, to make sure that it's not creating so much pressure that people don't feel like they can think differently and really make meaningful change, but that we can actually help their development as they move through that and as they learn through the process. Yeah, I would say just the one build is, I mean, we've all had this amazing opportunity to do a global program where we're, you know, um, able to meet with, you know, um, and experience our colleagues from from other organizations. And I think it's important to, um, when you're when you're talking with your employees and, and your team is really sort of sharing those experiences and empowering them and giving them the confidence. Because um, sometimes, um, you know, someone um, in our organization, our former manager, uh, saw the opportunity in us and they nominated us for that program. Um, and I think it's really important to um, build confidence in um, your teams and in your individuals and, and share um, risks that you have taken and, and how how that's made an impact in, in, in you and um, your leadership style. And, and I think that translates a lot because a lot of times um, that shared experience is sort of that common bond. And it's really sort of that jumping off platform that they need to, to make that to make that jump. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is about meeting your team where they are too. And so I know one of the practices that um, I kind of took away and have implemented, you know, with my team is when we're together, when we, you know, have big meetings, um, you know, I always, we, we do a posted exercise now where we ask them like, what do they want? Um, what do they want out of the day? What are they scared of? And what does success look like? And that was something that we all did as part of this program that, you know, I've implemented and it's really allowed me to, like I said, meet them where they are, understand to Jen, to your point, like what, what do they want? What are their ambitions? Where, you know, where do they think things need to go? So that helps me as a leader guide, right. And further draw out the potential um, from all of them and where we need to go. I do want to ask um, if you guys are, are willing to share, you know, what, what is something that you learned through Beyond Borders in Australia about yourself? So one of the kind of, I thought, provocative questions that was we focused on in Australia, and we're sitting in Kangaroo Valley, uh, hours outside of Sydney, was why should anyone want to be led by you? And I thought that's just an incredibly provocative question and, and a question that helps you understand uh, the role that you play in an organization, um, where you stand, what your career trajectory looks like, but also how you see yourself and how others actually experience you. Uh, so I learned a lot about what my natural lean is towards. And, you know, as an attorney, it's no surprise, facts and people. Um, I have a you know, list of questions that, I've, that have served me well in evaluating problems and avoiding risk. But one of the things I also learned about is, though my natural lean is towards facts and people, I should make some more room for process. So simple questions about who that's not in this room needs to know about the decisions we're making, who that's not in this room is working on something that is similar, right? So how to actually provide cross-functional organization-wide leadership just by asking different questions, uh, not changing the questions I had before, but complementing my process. I also learned a bit about how, you know, EQ goes a long way in building bridges. And that's something that I've always kind of known about myself. But what I learned is that there's a difference between making space for others and sharing space. And I historically done well with sharing space, but making space for others sometimes requires us to tell an entire group that this person learns differently or interacts with the group differently. Uh, with, we had a group of different diverse people from all over the world, so different cultural and language barriers as well, right? So making space for others uh, was equally important. And that was something I learned working through our group teams. Yeah, I would say um, a, a bit of a build to that in that um, I, I think we went through an exercise um, called uh, HBDI, um, which, you know, I'm very fond of. And it's sort of, you know, thinking preferences, how you approach problem solving, um, you know, how you how you uh, may change under stress or time constraints. And I think a big unlock for me was just understanding sort of my natural preferences. I, you know, I'm much more of a interpersonal feelings based um, emotional um, individual, um, which, you know, Many people are like, you should be in HR as a result of that. <laughs> um, but I do think sort of about, um, you know, the team, the feelings, what, what's the impact going to be? Um, and then in times of sort of stress, I go to a hyper-organized, sequentially planned kind of um, uh, process because I understand sort of, and then a part of this is probably just the business dynamics of things, but it was a really... Um, great unlock for me just to sort of understand just uh, how I am as a person and how I might be showing up in um, certain environments. And then to Reggie's point, I mean, what an incredible uh, diverse group of individuals that we had. I mean, we had, you know, process really illustrated that leadership can look very different um, and how you show up and what your natural preferences are and 
how you are as individuals looks very different because, you know, not everyone is um, is the same. And that's that's really empowering and, and, and very um, hopeful in terms of, you know, um, what what future leadership could look like in, in, in our organization and certainly in, in across the globe. Yeah, I mean, that that self-awareness is such a gift and how you leverage that self-awareness. Right. And, and Reggie, you touched on you know how you use that and, and what you wouldn't normally default to. And, and same thing, Kelly, with you of natural tendencies and, and then what you may be missing. And so self-awareness truly is a gift. Yeah. And I think also the ability to recognize it within yourself helps the understanding when you're looking at the team or the group you're working with. I think that was one of the things that was super valuable and it was easy in a tight setting when we had all just sort of gone through this exercise. But when we're going actually working through a business case or a project, it's super helpful to say, I'm approaching this from this point of view with this work style. And I know that Kelly or Reggie or someone else might be coming from a totally different place. And having that really heightened awareness allowed us to more easily work through those things as a group. But I think it's really important to bring back into the office every day and be really mindful of, you know, if you're not able to progress a conversation with someone or you're working through a challenge, being aware of where, what their styles are, what their preferences are, and how to collaborate together to move forward with bringing the best out of everyone as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, for, for me, there was, um, we, we did an exercise um, called Point Positive as well, where um, we had to ask those in our life, both professional, personal, family, um, to submit stories. Um, and, and storytelling is so incredibly powerful, but submit stories about um, how, who we are at our best and when we're at our best. And you know, that was a piece for me that was really key because a lot of the stories um, that were coming through were stories that like, I would have never thought had an impact on somebody, but clearly for those individuals that submitted it, you know, it was something that they remembered, you know, about me at a particular time in their life. And so I know one of the key takeaways that I really had is like, you never know when you're impacting somebody and you're impacting somebody all the time. And just that, that recognition of how your actions, how your words, how your behavior, you know, Im impacts everybody around you in, in any way possible um, was also such a gift. Yeah. I found that one in particular to be super valuable for me as well. And reflecting on myself, one of the things that came out for me was the, the context is around sort of when you're at your best. And a lot of the stories that came in for me was in the most challenging times of life, both from a professional perspective, as well as a personal perspective. And I think for me, sort of seeing these are things you don't hear unprompted otherwise. And for me, I think it actually helped give me confidence in in stressful situations and under pressure that I'm able to move forward and make the right decisions and bring everyone along with me um, was a super valuable learning as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for, sh for sharing that. You know, there was one other exercise that we had done that I want to touch on real quick, which was um, drawing out our life maps. And that was another piece that, that I had a lot of key learnings about and kind of stuck with me because everybody got a blank piece of paper. And I do encourage all of our listeners to do this, get a blank piece of paper and draw out your life map, draw out from, you know, when, when you were born and, and put, you know, every key moment in your life that comes to mind kind of on this map. 
And what I found really interesting about this is that everybody drew their maps differently, right? I actually drew my map like a road. I drew it like a journey, which is telling. I mean, it's how I look at life as, as a journey. And I also had a lot of forks in the road. And so for me, I, I've always been very intentional in, in kind of how I've progressed my career, how I, how I approach decisions, right? Um, and the drawing of this map just kind of reinforced that intentionality for me, which was also, yeah, something just to reflect on and, and recognize. There's another theme in this podcast and another theme of, of Beyond Borders, um, which is innovation. And so let's pivot and talk a little bit about innovation. Um, we often think about innovation as a new product or a new to world thing. Yeah, innovation is so much more than that. Um, as a leader, I had, I had already mentioned, right, it's, it's everybody's job to innovate. And as a leader, it is our job to innovate. And we know that your competitive advantage in the marketplace is, is never stable. So you have to be consistently innovating, building capacity, better, faster. And I firmly believe this in, in, in my role and in, in, in leading the on-premise. You know, the job is all my job and, and you guys' job is always about pushing boundaries as leaders and how can we win against all those worthy rivals in the marketplace. And this could be innovations in goods, like I mentioned, but it could also be innovation in, in uh, solving consumer needs in trade programs and our approach and our process. And I think that, you know, as part of a global company, which we are, we can often feel and think that innovation is actually left to the innovation team. We have an innovation team, right? But actually, it, it is a big piece of, of everybody's role. And so one approach to my on-premise business that I have started to employ that I, I learned as part of this program was around this lean startup thinking. How do we act small and nimble and test a lot of different things um, and, and test quickly and learn from those to be able to direct kind of our path forward. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what is behind lean startup thinking and, and how do you act with agility and integrate innovation into your everyday? Reggie, you want to take that one? Sure. So many of us are familiar with the quote, but not sure of who, who said it, right? But it's a Voltaire quote. Best is the enemy of good, right? And so combining that with what we know about first mover advantage, um, lean startup is really about experimentation over elaborate, slow planning. Uh, we have a very large organization and many big ships take a long time to turn, right? So instead of turning the entire ship with small pieces of information, people would never do that. They'd take long uh, process forward, uh, deep sea diving, right? So lean startup is actually about sitting at some speedboats. Get smaller, get quicker, there's lower investment, and then find out what the terrain looks like so that you can actually move the larger ship, right? So experimentation over elaborate planning, customer feedback over intuition. It's, it's, it's easy for a group of leaders to sit in a room and think about what their employees want, value, and how they would like to change. And then we find out through surveys and building better internal feedback loops that some of the things and some of the assumptions we had about what motivates people isn't true, right? So how much further are we from our actual consumers? Because they don't work for Meep Centauri. They just enjoy our products and frequently accounts and, and places that we have relationships with, right? So Lean Startup is really an opportunity to, to get small, lower the investment risk, but then have an opportunity to actually see what the impact uh, of, of making some agile choices could actually look like. Right? So as Rachel said earlier, I really love this. Innovation is every person's job. Now, I particularly like this because as an attorney, I like to say that compliance is also every, every person's job. <laughs> 
right? So, but the more we think about embedding that into into our actual jobs, we as an organization could experiment more often. We could make make more choices quickly and then learn from this. You know, the feedback loop is important. So for me, I look at that as internal processes, as organizational alignment, and then getting better real-time feedback loops. I mean, we really have to look at this as innovate or die. Any competitive advantage we have right now it is ours, but it can go away because all of our competitors are looking and they're borrowing and stealing with pride. Yeah, I was just going to add to that that like, you know, when you think about the local model and the market fed model that we are employing out in the marketplace, um, you know, I think of my team as ha- having many, many speedboats, right, to, to test and learn, you know, what makes sense in you know California or Washington or Nevada and how that could potentially translate to something that we should be doing nationally that we should be learning about. So for me, being innovative and the, the thinking that, that around this, the startup thinking is really sort of helps embrace and sort of, again, a lot of ways kind of crystallize, oh, well, this is what we are trying to do with the global operating model, which is to really understand sort of what's happening in the marketplace and um, what of those key learnings could be you know, much more impactful um, at a grander scale. Yeah. And one of the things that underpins um, this lean startup thinking is having a growth mindset. Because if you can't view the impossible, then how are you going to design what all those little speedboats are, right, that you're sending out? So um, I know we learned a lot about growth mindset and what it means to have a growth mindset. Um, Jen, what does it mean to have a growth mindset? Yeah, as you said, we had a lot of conversations about this and the in the part of the discussions we had, I thought it was a really nice, simple premise to say we aren't competing in this space or we don't have a current capacity yet or a capability. So I think just adding on that yet is a really, really simple way to think about where we might need to move to. So we don't have a capability yet. What do we need to do to get there? And it's really about just because we're not here today doesn't mean that we don't have the internal talent, the capabilities. Like there's it's just a matter of mapping out the path to get there, which I think is really from a leadership perspective, really what that next step is, is we can we can move into new consumer occasions. We can move into obviously looking at the RTD space is big in our U.S. business right now. So thinking about how we need to get there and how we need to develop our people, relationships with customers. And I think that really understanding where we are and how we leverage what we have, how we continue to train where we need to and really move from where we are to where we need to be from a competitive perspective uh, was super valuable. So it's really around thinking about not where we are today, but where we need to get to and that we have what we need to do to get there as opposed to just saying it's a gap or it's a capability that we don't have or can't have. It's really knowing that you can get there and reflecting on how you leverage your resources to actually do that. Yeah. It's like we can, we could, why not? Yes. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that also, um, you know, that there's uh, success um, found in failures. And I mean, we're very much a, you know, you know, we compete to win. We want to um, we believe so passionately in our brands and our amazing, talented people that we have. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to um, embrace that, you know, that failure is actually probably the end result here. Right. And we wanted to, you know, sort of fail just to understand and and to really um, see what sort of the little successes are in some of in some of those failures. And I think growth mindset sort of, you know, lets you 
embrace that in so many ways, um, challenge and that obstacles are actually um, not necessarily a bad thing, but an anticipated thing. Yeah. And the power of just the learning process as you go through it. Yeah. And, and really the, the rules are always changing. We touched on the competitive advantage and, and how that's very fleeting. Um, the environment's always changing, which means the rules are always changing. So if you don't have a growth mindset, if you're not asking what could be, you're, you're going to be left behind. Having this growth mindset then is such a key piece, right, to organizational culture um, and the thinking not only of us as leaders, but the thinking that we need to ensure that our teams um, have. So just as a follow up question, Jen, like how do we as, as leaders contribute to and leverage organizational culture? I think that our culture generally at Beam Centauri is action oriented, which I think is really good in terms of looking at the growth mindset and moving forward. I don't think that we're shy to necessarily change what we've been doing. We're not a company where we look and say, we've been doing it like this. So it's what we should just continue to do. So I think that the culture that we do have at Beam is in sync with the growth mindset. I think a lot of it as leaders is looking to ensure that we are focusing that within our teams in terms of challenging the status quo, reflecting on what we are doing and identifying new spaces. I think particularly knowing that not every new idea is going to come from the top down and the value of these teams that everyone has under us, they're, they're sometimes closer to the consumers. They have valuable insights. And I think also creating space and listening to make sure that it's not just a top-down directive, but in terms of what places should we be moving? What should we be thinking about? Making sure that we're creating the space as leaders to listen to our teams. And I think similarly to the everyone needs to be innovating, there's no one person's job to be thinking about this. So I think that ensuring that our teams understand that they have a role to play in that as well and that their voices and opinions are heard is really important too. I love that. And I, I also feel like organizational culture is something that is always there. Sometimes it's hard to see it. It's often very easy to see for people that are new to the organization, right? And so um, what you punish as well as what you celebrate goes a long way to shaping and changing your culture. And so I love this analogy about speed limit, right? So the, the speed limit's 55, but everyone knows in certain towns you can go 56, no ticket, 60, no ticket, 62. Well, you might get pulled over, right? And so the distance between the speed limit and the acceptable driving, that, that, that's, that's your culture, right? And so what can you do to change it? Well, you can actually put a cop on every corner and start pulling people over for going one over. Not very helpful, but you know, it's punitive. You could start celebrating safe driving, right? So you have different types of levers as a leader to talk about what do you celebrate? What do you punish? What happens when things go wrong? How do we tell the story? And so the culture even connects to the previous point about learning, right? So fail often, fail forward and fail fast. Because if we have a culture of just being afraid to fail, it's going to make it very, very difficult for us to actually adapt to any of these lean thinking uh, strategies and, and ideas. Yeah, I love that analogy. And, and it's so true, right? And culture plays such a key role. And I think the, the, the picture, the other analogy we look at is like the fishbowl, right? And it's the water that all the fish are swimming in. And it's, so it's that unseen piece. Um, but, you know, you're what you say your culture is and how people believe your culture is, is, is also um, it's, it's that, it's that gap in the middle and you, and you want to make sure that that gap isn't very big. Let's talk a little bit about strategy. Um, we've talked about leadership and innovation and, and neither of those can be effective without a solid strategy. 
Um, I had the pleasure of having all of you, your thought leadership, your diversity and perspective on a project team with me to look at the on-premise strategy and in particular, how we evolve our on-premise capabilities to fuel our on-premise culture. So you guys know that Beam Centauri's mission is, you know, to be the most admired and fastest growing spirits company. And the on-premise plays a humongous role um, in that mission. And really, it's the people who are at the heart of that. You know, I'm excited to disclose that like our engagement scores in the on-premise have never been higher. Our competitive advantage now is to really strategically activate our entire team um, and tell the Beam Centauri story, tell the world um, all of our on-premise stories um, and really build, you know, the Beam Centauri brand and and all the brands within our portfolio um, across the industry. And so as a project group, which by the way, thank you again for your help. Um, you each played a really key role in, in looking at our on-premise strategy. You got to intimately know what our strategy was. We did some strategy mapping. We had a lot of different exercises. So one of the first questions that I have is, you know, what challenges did we find um, as we started to translate that strategy into action? First of all, I mean, I think it was an awesome opportunity for, I think, you know, for me being in the marketplace and obviously, you know, partnering with a lot of the folks that are on Rachel's team, just to see the breadth and depth of, you know, what the ambition is and um, what the strategy was. Um, And there is a lot in there. Right. And I think um, I think the challenge in terms of uh, translating any sort of very big strategy and big ambition is really understanding sort of um, what are the gaps along the way. Um, and how to get how to effectively map a strategy to something that, you know, will execute with excellence. And so just really understanding sort of what are those um, leaps of faith that we are taking in terms of what do we believe is going to happen? And then how do we you know, measure some of that? It's very difficult to measure everything. And sometimes, you know, measurement is, you know, a benchmark for uh, success for, the, for whether or not uh, we can identify it's working. Um, and a lot of times um, that is a challenge when you're looking at, you know, is this strategy going to work? Well, you know, in some ways we have to sometimes take some leap of faith and um, and understand what are we what is the hypothesis around um, what we're trying to do and, and how to how best to sort of map what's the best way to execute that. Yeah. And I think that one of the other things that was really helpful through the exercise is, to your point, implementing a big strategic initiative actually mapping out what are all of the things that need to happen and what are the assumptions we're making in terms of cause and effect. And as we get, went through it, there are a lot of things where you realize you're making potentially a big leap in terms of if we do this, then that will happen. And I think that understanding what assumptions you're making also helps you reflect and diagnose when something isn't working necessarily the way you would expect it to where to look specifically in terms of what were we assuming was going to work. So that way you're not trying to question your strategy, but you're looking more tactically within your strategy. What are the things that we might need to tweak or adjust to get there? Yeah. I remember those mapped bubbles where it was like one to another, and then it turned into one to 10 bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So clearly had some leaps of faith um, that this helped us kind of drill down in. And the other piece that, that I really loved in in how we looked at it was around the risk assessment. Um, You know, having a clear strategy map like that allowed us to think through like, well, what are the, what are the risks to that cause and effect? And what are the risks not only 
internally where we're impacting and causing a risk, but what about all the external risk that comes into that as well and how kind of that action would be perceived or what's an unintended reaction to that action, if that makes sense. So I loved the kind of risk assessment that went alongside with that. And then within that that strategy mapping, we also talked a lot about the role of experimentation, right? And principles of experimentation, how pilots are different from experimentation. And we are definitely a company that loves our pilots and how to apply experimentation really to your to your everyday. So um, let's talk a little bit about that for a minute. I guess, Jen, what is the role of experimentation? I really enjoyed the section on experimentation because I do feel like it helped define a really independent exercise from piloting, to your point. I think that when we look to pilot something new, we've made a decision that we're already moving in that direction. We're planning usually to go full scale at some point in time. And piloting is a little early learning that we build into the process. And the role of experimentation is really about informing our decision making. And it's about learning. So. I think really positioning that differently helps to think through and inform the decisions we are making. So really what we were looking at is testing in small ways, um, small, low, if not zero investment in some areas to really inform an assumption that we've made. So for instance, we even talked about testing some of the things on the podcast before it was launched and it was really enlightening to see the different kind of feedback you can get when you just go talk to a bunch of people across the organization and that we can take it from really small scale to a little bit larger scale, but really it's about learning as opposed to a commitment. So I think that one of the things in terms of looking at it differently, it's more of a, what if we did this, what might happen? What, pe- what might people think as opposed to we are going to do this and maybe we want to optimize how we're doing it. So I think it really helps inform how, if not if, you move forward with an idea. And it also creates the space to tweak small things and to learn without a risk of failure because failure in the sense is really just learning. Usually there's nothing that we're going to risk in terms of like fundamental business concerns, but it allows us to move forward more educated um, with actual hard data before we really finalize anything. So I think that having it being small scale, low risk, low investment, and really about learning uh, was a super valuable perspective on this for me. Yeah. It really gives you the confidence then in what you're going to do. Right. Um, And kind of back to that strategy mapping and you're making those leaps of some leaps of faith and trying to drill those in experimentation can, can help give you confidence in what are the risks? um, Is it the right choice? Um, and how do you continue to evolve it? And as you mentioned, we did some experimentation around this particular podcast too. And and it can be done um, very simply within your sphere of influence, right? And something that I know I took away and we're experimenting all the time now as a result, which is awesome. I'd like to just as we kind of come to a close, first and foremost, just thank you guys again for the amazing experience that we had together for the countless insights that you provided in the project work that we did together too, related to on-premise and for pushing a little bit out of a comfort zone and coming on this podcast today. So thank you for all of that. I'd love to ask you one last question, um, personal question. And 
you know, how did the Beyond Borders kind of London business school experience, you know, change, change your life, change it professionally, change it personally? And then what advice do you have for current leaders in our industry or those um, striving to grow into leadership roles in our industry? I think it was, you know, it was such an amazing experience. I know that, um, you know, we probably have all at some point thanked our leader and leadership team for the incredible um, investment um, that was made uh, for us to experience that, um, all of it. And I I think we will continue on. I mean, I think this is, you know, it has become sort of a a family in a lot of ways because of what we've experienced. Um, It's made me certainly um, much more appreciative of probably the things that I bring to the table as a leader. Um, and a reminder that, you know, um, we're all individually special and, and I am, I'm special uh, <laughs> as a leader and, and what brings out the, you know, um, the best in me and what people see is, you know, kind of my um, superpowers and how I can lean into that and utilize that. Um, it's also made me um, quite aware of blind spots um, and the work that, you know, um, goes unfinished, um, you know, what doesn't get done. Right. And so as a leader, um, you know, being um, constantly open to development opportunities and and challenging yourself to and myself to kind of always be out of my comfort comfort zone. Um, and then, you know, I'm just personally uh, grateful for the connections that I've made, um, not only um, strengthening the Beam Centauri relationships, but being able to um, make new friendships and new um, build a network with people outside um, in the other Centauri holding groups um, has been just a fantastic um, experience and opportunity. I'm just so grateful. Yeah, I would agree with Kelly in terms of the breadth of the experience and the exposure to amazing other leaders across the Centauri um, network was fantastic. I think I also learned a lot about myself as a leader in terms of really, to your point, identifying what my strengths are and knowing when to lean into them. And I think also understanding to your point, Rachel, around the life journey, I think from a leadership perspective and understanding our teams. I think really understanding where people are in their life at any point and how that's influencing where how they're coming to work every day as well and making sure that those are the types of questions that you're staying attuned to and that you're not losing through, you know, but it sometimes feels like the craze of the day to day that you're actually understanding what's happening with your team, what they need from you and how you can help support them um, deliver their best work as well. So I think that that was one of the other things. Um, And I think also just really focusing on the holistic picture of the business. We talked a bit about understanding the connectivity between our organization and our culture and our strategies. And I think really finding the space to take a big step back and learning how to look and diagnose when things aren't going right, what might be happening And that goes from really the high level consistency across the organization from a culture perspective, all the way down to that really super tactical, then the experimentation cause and effect. I think a lot of the learning through the program was so high level to super detail and learning to know when to focus in on each of those different areas to how to determine how to better influence stronger outcomes. Um, So I think that it really provided a great toolkit with which to 
analyze and assess the business and learn where you need to make adjustments. And when you do, how to actually go about informing those decisions. For me, it just came at a great opportunity and kind of an inflection point of me career-wise at Beam Centauri. I've been at Beam for about six and a half years. And uh, in the middle of the program, or I guess really when the program should have been over because of COVID, the program was then extended. Um, that's when I was then promoted and added to this leadership team, right? And so I do think that this Beyond Borders experience had a great opportunity for me to learn more about myself, but also test out some of the theories I had about leadership and about our organization. Um, and that even informal feedback loops, me spending more time with the people that run the actual uh, plants and spending time with the people in Kentucky that are part of our supply chain organization, that and being able to bubble up some of the themes that I hear uh, has made me a better leader. And that's something that Beyond Borders really helped kind of prepare me for. Um, and it's, it's also kind of fun that another member of our supply chain leadership team uh, was in our class. Manuel was in our class, and he also was added to that team uh, after the start of the Beyond Borders experience. But it's also just increased my pride in working for Suntory. And I'd say that before I had great pride at working for Beam Suntory, but little um, awareness of uh, the great history as well as the other um, uh, sister, brother, sister organizations and, and, and pieces of the Suntory uh, organization. In terms of advice for leaders in our industry and then advice for those striving to grow in leadership, uh, I'd say that one thing that became ever clear, and it, it's always been clear to me, but it's even more clear getting in a room of 24 people that literally live all over the world and have a, a diverse, um, come from diverse, diverse cultures, but also have diverse skill sets, is that the underlying population dynamics, specifically in the United States, are changing. And so everyone immediately thinks about race and culture, and that's right, and that's correct, and that needs to reflect in terms of how we market, in terms of who's in the rooms that make the decisions. But it's also changing generationally. I mean, the number of different generations and what they value and how they work and work styles, um, COVID has put pressure on our ability to remain connected, but even what people value is different by generation. And how to help someone's career grow and keep them motivated and, and also simplify the choices that they should be making so that these choices all ladder up to one objective is super important. Then my advice for those who want to grow into leadership or grow in their leadership skills is that leadership's really about followership. You know, if you're walking in one direction and no one's following you, are you really a leader? And so, I mean, I, I would say that you should be investing in yourself both internally and externally, um, but also learning the ability to lead without authority. Leading with influence is super important. People always kind of think, well, once I become a VP, then I, can, th then I won't have to do this. It's like, no, once you're a VP, then you have the ELT to lead with, with, with uh, influence rather than authority. Once you're an ELT member, you still have to help lead the CEO. Your CEO, you've got a board. So that leading with, uh, with uh, influence rather than authority, the skill set you need to build, and it's a, it's a solution to a problem that will never go away. Yeah, I would say to to that point, Reggie, I mean, I, I think as leaders, a lot of times you can discount what taking time for development um, may have as an impact, right? Like you're very busy. There's lots of meetings. There's lots of, you know, there's lots of lots of stuff, right? Um, and um, the power of taking time for yourself um, for development, you are never too seasoned, too experienced to experience something new. And as Reggie sort of pointed out so eloquently, um, things are changing and um, we all need to get uncomfortable. We all need to understand the impact that we're making today, not the impact that we made yesterday um, and the impact that we can make going forward. And I think the idea of 
really um, investing time in development is ongoing. It should not just be for um, those striving to be in leadership roles, um, but those that are in, in leadership roles. And leadership, to Reggie's point, is, is not about the number of people that directly report to you, right? Leadership is about um, how how you are um, helping steer direction and how you are managing and leading without, um, you know, that influence with influence. Um, and I think that's really important is to, you know, make time and and really understand that an investment in you um, could be an investment in you know m- much broader impact um, than just yourself. Yeah, all really incredible insights for our listeners. And you know, the topic today was really about you know global leadership and building global leaders. And I think we'd probably all agree it, that the world the world is small, right? It's 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 diverse, but it but it's small. Um, and for me, that's a that was a key takeaway from this this program as well. And that connection, um, around the globe is, is so incredibly important. And, you know, for me, this program happened, you know, started in 2019 when I moved into leading the on-premise and boy, the last two years have, have been, uh, an interesting ride, um, in this position with, with COVID and the program really, um, you know, helps me look at how we pivot, right? How that lean startup model is so important, how being nimble and agile is so important, how we manage change and lead through change um, and uncertainty, which we've definitely had and, and how we use really any disruption because there's disruptors to our business all over the place, but how do you use disruption as an opportunity and being intentional in that and, and the choices that you make and, and I think you guys all touched on like how much we learned about our our strengths. Um, and I I know we ha- in thinking about our strengths, I think we're generally a culture that, yep, a strength is a strength. And we go and we focus on the opportunity areas. And I think one of the other key takeaways and for those who who are you know also looking to grow is like lean into your strengths. Your strengths are there for a reason. And they're, they're natural, right. Um, to who you are, um, from the very beginning. And so, um, you know, don't be afraid to lean into your strengths, to leverage your strengths, um, in, in leadership. Um, so I guess with that, I'd love to propose a little toast. Let's toast today to, um, Centauri and working for Centauri with pride to Centauri's leadership and development team for investing in us, um, as leaders and to um, our commitment to investing in the potential of others. So cheers. 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 Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.